first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. They're not a very good team. Trevor, did you see that? Did you see that tweet that uh that I read out? It was talking about how the Canucks are top ten in all these fucking stats and yep. ended with Shout out Raymond Hat. <laughs> they're a very good team. Bruh, it's not overreaction season anymore. It's November. You know what I'm saying? Like very good team. Come on. Come the fuck on. Yeah, f- fanboy's gonna fanboy, man. But hey. I'm, I'm guilty too because I had an article that went live on Daily Hive on Tuesday that said four reasons why the Canucks are better than the November record. Wow. And I, and I wasn't trying to be a fanboy. I was digging into the numbers, trying to find positives. Yeah, that's what happens when you dig into the damn fancy stats sometimes, right? You look at the fucking charts. You look at the analytics. They're telling you something else. But you know, what's, you know what they don't tell you sometimes? And this is to all the fancy stat people, okay? Sometimes they don't tell you the reality. And reality... You know, sometimes it's not it's not the uh, the sum of some fucking chart, you know? Yeah, man. Come on. Reality is a fine line sometimes, but you know what's reality? You listening to us on Silky whoop, and Filthy. Whoop, whoop. You like that noise? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop! Welcome all you Silky Studs to another episode of Silky and Filthy. I'm Trevor Beggs. He's Kyle Bowen. Not only are we doing sipping, <laughs> not only are we doing Silky. That's and a filthy, plug, yo. That's a plug, yo. We got Kyle doing sipping on a forty. You got me doing the quickie. Three shows on the Nux Misconduct Network. Boom, bam. Go get it and make your hockey life a little bit better. Kyle, speaking of doing better, how, how you feeling? I know, I know Monday was a rough day for you, man. You had some demons. You know, oh, yeah, had some demons. Body, I think we right? found out what happened. You know, I'll be honest. I'm an honest person, a real honest person. I'm going to give you some advice. So on Monday night, I'm having a great day. Great start to the week after a trip in Alberta, which we'll get to after this story, okay? This is your home for puck talking bullshit. And I do believe that this was the first cold open that we had that had nothing to really do with, with bullshit. It, it had stuff to do with hockey, so I think... I think we're turning the page, and I think this program is... Well, I think I'm turning into more of a hockey nut because we're in the middle of November, and I'm fucking with the game once again. Anyways, on Monday, I'm in the studio making shit. I think I did an episode on Corey Schneider. I'm feeling great. Smoked a couple joints. Got some green tea. And then something happened around 10 o'clock. I just... I, I'm, this has never happened to me in my life. Normally, when I'm, I'm about to get sick... I can tell, you know, I, I see the symptoms, I feel the symptoms, I go to Shoppers Drug Mart, I stack up on the vitamin C, and I save myself, because I'm a pussy, I'm a fucking pussy when, I, when I'm sick, okay, I get scared, I need my mom, I don't want to be that person, I felt, I felt like I was getting sick out of nowhere, get home, try going to sleep, can't go to sleep, I'm just sweating, I'm panicking, had to cancel a meeting with a new job, had to call in sick to work too, 
It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And I did did all this at 3 in the morning because I couldn't go to sleep. And I had to line everything else. I was, I was stressed out. Imagine that, Trevor. New job. First day, they want you to come to the office. And you got to call in sick. But I know my body. I was fucked. I was fucked. Now what? That was at 3 a.m. when I called in. I would say what? Nine hours later. And this is about 13 to 14 hours of being in bed. I felt better. Like I sweat everything out. It was it was remarkable. It was an experience. It was an experience. It that's, was, bro. I was tripping out because it. I was preparing myself to be sick for like a whole week. Because this, I, I know my body. I thought I knew my body. So when I'm going through symptoms like this, I'm talking, what are they called? Cold sweats, headaches. I didn't have like the sore throat or anything. So I think that was like the, the indication that this was something new. But I wasn't really connecting the dots. Anyways, around 1 p.m., I wake up. I feel better. I'm just so confused. I'm so confused. But I think Trevor and I, we found out the answers. Take this advice, okay? If you're working hard behind a desk, you're, you're fucking hustling. You got no time to move around. You got no time to waste. And you have that coffee mug that sits on your desk for like weeks. And you just keep filling it up without washing it. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm just that disgusting person. Okay, I filled it up. On Monday around 9 o'clock with some green tea. I don't know the last time I washed this mug. I drank out of it. And I don't think it's... Yeah, I think think it's that. I think it's that's what happened. Because, yeah, it was that dirty coffee mug. So wash your damn coffee mug that's on your desk, okay? Take care of yourself. Don't be an idiot like me. Don't be an idiot like me. I'm still feeling the effects. I feel pretty shitty. Uh, There is a pun intended there. You can connect the dots. You're home for puck talk and bullshit. Trevor, how's it going, man? How was Alberta? Alberta, man. Yeah, I know. Good week. Should I say good weekend in Edmonton? I feel like I brought the heat. I was expecting minus 20 in snow, but it was nice. Yo, it was beautiful it was, in Alberta. It was sunny. You know, I watched the Canucks game with my seven-year-old nephew. Doesn't really like hockey, but wanted to stay up with hey, his uncle and watch the hockey go. game. Hey, you trying to get him? You know, I like that. Exactly, okay, exactly. Okay. But then the Canucks let him down, man. The Canucks let him did down. Did he like the jerseys, though? He did, he did. But it's, it's funny, he's like, it, it said it reminded him of Germany because he got some German descent. Oh, cool. Ooh, yeah, not bad, not bad. Not bad. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I'm I'm still a bit of a skate hater. I'm going to go on the record saying that. I got you some are. trash for it online, but that, that's okay, man. That's okay. I'm just, I like the blue and green. What can I say? I'm uh, not trying to hate on Germany. I'm not trying to hate too much on the skate. I don't mind it. I just think it's a bit of a spaghetti jersey and it's, it's not that great. Yeah, and you're a bit of a you know, a homer when it comes to Cascadia. So, you know, you're just trying to embrace what it is. And I'll, I'll admit, you know, from the outskirts, I do. Uh-huh. Damn, I put myself on mute there. I never touched that button before. Hey, shit happens on Silky and Filthy. Anyways, Trevor Beggs, homer for the Cascadia. And yeah, from the outside, Vancouver's blue and green. Uh, to me, for some reason, I don't know. I think Vancouver's black, red, and yellow. And you know what's cool? I think the whole league was embracing those jerseys. I think they were, man. I saw tweets from every single thing, from NBC, NHL, to Sportsnet, not even just sport, like the, the Vancouver side of things. It was just, it was like people were falling in love with that jersey. That's just badass, and that's the that's the real jersey. Now, I was in Alberta, too. I was. I was in Calgary. You were in Edmonton. I had a good time. There's not, I don't think there's much to do in Alberta. And... and you know, Unless you're I, in the Rockies, yeah. I, I may I may sound like a hater, but my cousins, they say the same shit, you know? They 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 say the same shit. They go to house parties that they that they host, which are great parties. Don't get me wrong. The best type of parties are, are house parties. But there's not much to do. I was in Calgary. 
we don't have a lot of time to touch on Calgary, but I'm going to tell you something, man. A lot of my cousins, man, they hating on the Flames. They're sad. They're miserable hockey fans. And this is what? Four or five months after the fact that their Calgary Flames finished first in the West. Yeah, it's been a big downfall for Calgary right now. And we will touch on the Flames a little bit later in the debut of the Freakometer. The Freakometer. Damn, I don't even have no sound effect for this, man. You just got my you just got my raspy voice doing it for you, man. Uh, so we'll debut the Freako meter later. We also got Dan Saracini. Uh, uh, I butchered the name. No, again. you didn't butcher it. You said it right. Saracini. Oh, Saracini. Saracini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we were right. saying Saraceni, which he didn't he didn't like. He didn't like. He oh, didn't he hate it. it. He didn't hate it. Yeah, he he said that his dad would love it, but he goes by Saracini. Saracini. Yeah. So we and got Dan Saracini from Lighthouse Hockey, the Isles Anxiety Podcast, telling us a bit about the Isles. Raging success, but before all of that, we gotta talk about Mike Babcock. Woo, we do, man. Fired a few hours before we hop behind the mic. Something happened on a Wednesday, man. I love it. I love it. And I gotta say, the Babcock firing, I'm not shocked by it. I am a bit surprised by the timing. I thought the Leafs were gonna give Mike Babcock a bit of time to ride things out. There's so much talent on that team, and I guess that's part of the reason why they fired him. But it's 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 been a clash, and I think this was coming for for some time because Babcock wants to play that four lines, a bit of a grinding style of hockey. You know, we go back to the playoffs where he was giving Matthews sixty minutes a night, and he was giving Patrick Marlowe more ice time than Matthews. Like this has been coming for a while. He's obviously not Dubas's guy, but again, this this, this is November. But again, I do think maybe Dubas is a bit. Uh, is it Dubas or Dubas? Dubas, Dubas. Oh, I thought I, thought I, I, I was thinking Dubadass because uh, he made a bold move, man. Made a bold move <laughs> Trevor a bold Beggs. Full time. Trevor Beggs brings it. Let me let me flash back. I, I don't think we got any flashback sound effects. Oh, we Let's don't. Let's flash back to November twentieth, twenty eighteen. Can I make one up? Sure. Da da da. That, that, that was okay. Four That's not bad. Da da da. Yeah, a little better. Five out of ten. Okay, not bad. It's kind of November twentieth, twenty eighteen. Hey, wait, hold up. Sorry to cut you off. If we're doing some Toronto talk, you know, I know I know Drake, uh, Trevor listens to new Drake music every month. So, you know what? We're going to run some Drake instrumentals in the back. OVO, if you want to take this down, chill the fuck out, okay? You from Canada, support the game, okay? God damn it. Okay, go now. Toronto talk here on Silky and Filthy. November 20th, 2018 was the day the St. Louis Blues fired Mike Yo and hired Craig Berube. Coincidence? No, I like how you brought this point up first. You know, this is your first solid point about this before we talk about, you know, the firing and what happened. And was this the right move? Because everyone, and I mean everyone in the NHL is talking shit about the Maple Leafs, okay? This is the date, November November 20th, 2019. Everyone is talking shit. And yo, we're talking about a team with Tavares, Matthews, and Marner. All right? Riley. This has happened to teams before. St. Louis has fired their coach. What happened? What happened? Well, after they fired their coach, what they, uh, they sucked for about a month, and then they went on to win they the They won the cup. cup. They won the cup. You know, we saw this with LA before. What happened? They won the cup when they hired Daryl Sutter. We saw this with Pittsburgh. Didn't we see it with Pittsburgh a couple times? Well, we saw it with Sullivan. I, did it happen with Bosma, too? Yes, it did. I think it did. When yeah, uh, Claude right. Julien got fired. Uh, no, not Julian. Uh, oh, was Ma- it not? Michelle Therrien. Oh, R- Michelle Therrien. Wrong Terrien. Frenchie. Oh, wrong Frenchie. My bad, my bad. Okay, so... Don't talk too much shit about the Leafs yet. Maybe you can talk talk your shit about Babcock. Say what you want. Okay. But you might eat your words because this is still a good team. We've seen the craziest things happen in the NHL. And again, this team has Marner, Matthews, Tavares, 
Morgan Riley, Tyson Berry, Jake Muzzin, Nylander, Kapanen. You know, they got they got good players. It, it Players, teams, they need changes. You can say they tuned this guy out. The results weren't there. The opportunity opportunity was there for Dubas to make a change, for Shanahan to make a change, to get their guy, their second guy in there. And they made the change. They made the change. It, it I don't think it came out of nowhere. But damn, it did surprise me, man. Well, it happened what, one o'clock, one thirty Pacific time? I was surprised. Yeah, I was I was surprised too. I mentioned it before. Um Again, I'm not again not surprised at the move. I'm su- a little surprised at the timing. I know they're on a six-game losing streak. Um, now I think this game, the Leafs and the Coyotes, the raging Arizona Coyotes, is must-watch TV for hockey fans tonight. And I don't know, man. Sheldon Keefe coming in. You got to give him a bit of leeway. But there's too much talent on this Leafs team for them to drop any further down the standings, in my opinion. You know what? Maybe they made this move this early because... What, it buys them, what, almost 60 games to get it together before the playoffs? And Shanahan mentioned as much. He said there's, I, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the quote handy. But Shanahan basically said that you can't fall too far behind in today's NHL because every team is, is so good. Yeah, and they're not wasting a year. They're not wasting a year to figure this out. They're going to try capitalizing on 2019-2020 on this campaign. I still believe, say what you want, I still believe in this team. If St. Louis can win the Cup, I'm not saying the Leafs can go last to first. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just looking at St. Louis's roster and the makeup of the roster. And yeah, there was some magic. There was some voodoo behind it. There was a rookie goaltender behind it. If that roster can do it, what's to say a roster with, again, those players can't do it in Toronto. So these things need to happen. Again, let's assume that the players did tune them out. There were some performances in that streak that were just sad and pathetic. Most notably, what, the Saturday game against... The Crosby less Penguins. So this shit happens. This shit happens. Toronto doesn't want to throw away the year. They're trying this out. I think we can really, really look at this situation as a disaster. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, if they, you know, get they get ousted again in the first round, it's the end of the season. But in November, I'm not I'm not gonna go out there and put a tweet out saying that this team's over. They're the laughing stock. Okay? I'm not gonna put out a tweet out saying, oh, who would you rather have? The Canucks roster or the Toronto roster? Just shut the fuck up, okay? Okay? Okay, let me ask you this. Was the Babcock experiment a failure? An ultimate an ultimate failure. We're again, we're talking about a team in four years. They made the playoffs three times. They got ousted in the first round. Obviously, that's not good for a Canadian city. That's not good for a team that's had their picks, spends to the cap, blah, blah, blah. But we're also talking about an organization that was absolutely sad. They're sad. They're pathetic prior to Babcock getting there. And now Babcock got him to, you know, this point where there are expectations and, you know, he doesn't get to see it out to a to a cup run or even to a long playoff run. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an F. I would give it a C plus. Not good enough, but it's not the worst thing. Not only is it a failure, it's a $48 million failure. Hey man, but why should the fans care about that? Why should Leafs fans care about that money? It's not against the cap. It's, it's money that doesn't really affect your experience with the team. You're right, and, and and it's revisionist history at this point because we don't know how another coach would have done in that situation. But when he his first year there, you know they were they were a bad team, and then they got Matthews, and then they started to climb the standings. Mm-hmm. And they surprised people that first year they made the playoffs and faced the Washington Capitals. And Babcock got a ton of love, got a ton of credit that, that year. Leaf fans were oh we're winning the cup in three years and all this shit. 
At least hey, if they were saying at that point three years, they could still win it this year. You know what? Sometimes timelines are off. I, I, it is hard to say. I, to me, to me, it is a failure because you hired this guy for eight years to build <laughs> your team, and he makes it just a little over halfway through his contract. To me, that is a failure. No playoff wins. That's a failure. Now the NHL's got a lot of parity. It is hard to win, but some of this does fall on the coach and Babcock's stubbornness and failure to adapt to what the the roster that Kyle Dubas assembled was his downfall. He didn't want to play this analytic driven speed skill game. He wanted to still bang and crash. Connection wasn't there. That that's when a problem, you know, exists. So it, it does make sense. And in fairness, in fairness, the last couple teams to win the cup have been kind of heavier bang and crash teams. Whoa, whoa, they, they, whoa, got Trevor, skill. they got skill. Let's let's yeah, put that out there. Come on. We don't of want course. that. We of don't course. want that. We want the people watching the game, yo. Hey. I know. Hey, I know. Obviously, the Capitals have skill. You know, the St. Louis Blues have some skill, but they're heavier. They're heavier teams. And they're teams that defend well. That's another thing, too. The Leafs haven't done that. Uh, even though they got Tyson Berry, who's, you know, just had a brutal start. Brutal. Brutal start. Brutal. Um, Doesn't work with Babcock. I am curious to see how this Leafs, the Leafs team does with Dubas's full vision now. Oh, yeah. Now he's, he's got his boy down there, too, now. He's got his coach in place. Best bud. He's completely gotten rid of all, all the bangers, all the crashers, all, all, all the bangers and mash, the mean potatoes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all gone, man. That's all gone. Let's see how this Leafs team does with Sheldon Keith. No, look at with Dubis, the team man. Dubis wants. He's really putting it all out on the line right away. You know, right away. He just got here two years ago. He's doing it all. You know, he's not... You could say the AHL was a grooming experience. You know, waiting behind Lamorello was a grooming experience. He had his patience. He showed it. But... But damn, this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. He's doing it his way. Is it going to work? We don't know. It may fail. I'm not sure how it's going to look if it fails and, you know, if Dubas is going to get another opportunity right away. But I I'm going to admire the courage. You know, I'm not from, from fucking Toronto. I don't have a an attachment to the results. I do think this is all really interesting. And let's go back to, you know, I gave Babcock a C+. I'm not trying to backtrack. I will say it was, it was a fucking disgrace to the game, you know, playing Matthews 16 minutes a game in the first round. That's a, that's an L. That's a, that's a fat L. Babcock, when was the last time you won a playoff series? Oh man, yeah, that's. a yeah, long time ago. Long time ago. It's been a while since this guy's had real legitimate success. So when I, when I look at what Babcock did in Toronto over, you know, four years, four and a half. And I look at, you know, again, what they, what they were before he got there. They were a laughing stock. And yeah, they got some lottery luck and. They developed the right way, blah, blah, blah. Things went their way. They got better players. They bought Tavares. They made the playoffs three straight years. I do think that does speak for something. You know, now looking back at it, I'm not that surprised. You know, when we bring up the 16 minutes a game thing with Matthews in the first round last year, yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's not good, bro. That That's not good. Those type of things could piss the roster off. And obviously this start. What are they? Nine, ten, and four. Nine, ten, and yeah, four. I guess you need time. Shanahan said it. You know, you can't fall too behind. They felt like they had to make a move, and boom, bam, let's go, make that firing. And now, who, what's this guy's name? Sheldon Keefe. Sheldon Keefe. Damn. Okay. He's also got another crazy story. If you uh, hop on the Google machine, YouTube, and dig in his old story, um, obviously he was involved with the, uh, Theo Fleury and that whole uh, situation too. Um, that's a whole other topic. But you know, he's a guy you want to see succeed. Do I want to see the Leafs succeed? 
Not particularly. I kind of want to bust up my worst team ever shirt again. Oh, um, oh shit, I remember that shirt. You remember that shirt, right? Yeah, that's a good shirt, man. You yeah. still have it? Just to paint a, a visual for the listeners, I found this shirt at a, at a store in Ottawa. It has the Maple Leafs logo, but instead of saying Maple Leafs, it says worst team ever. It's just a tour, tour shirt, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I wore it around it. Toronto, too, about five years ago. It was great. Great time. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see how this Leafs team does with Sheldon Keefe. It's going to be really interesting. One last thing I got to say about this. I found this pretty funny. Uh, NESN.com, uh, a Boston Bruins platform, pulled up this quote from Mike Babcock from 2016. Hilarious shit. Uh, this is what Babcock said after a shootout win against the Devils on February 4th, 2016. I'm using my Babcock voice. I got this year and uh, seven more here. And then I'm going to stay here for two more because the team is going to be that good. Damn. So he was predicting that he was going to be <laughs> the Leafs coach for 10 years. Okay, you know, that, that brings up a good point too. All right, the, the, you know, this adds some... Uh, what, some sugar to my C-plus rating? Because I think some people will be like, oh, how the fuck can you give this guy a C-plus? That organization was so sad. And part of Babcock's brand was putting on this image that he's got it on, he's got it on lock. And that's what that fan base kind of needed. They needed a confident dude. You know, they didn't need, who did they have before there? Ron Wilson. They didn't need a guy that seemed kind of insecure in front of a mic. You know, they didn't need a Carlisle who, who kind of gets worked up. They needed someone who, who had that much confidence just to pa paint that image that things were going to be all right. And that's part of Babcock's brand. You don't think that guy knows he's he's in, he's doing all those things, saying all these things, all these cliches, putting that putting that tone on. It's part of his whole stick. Why do you think this guy gets a fucking eight-year deal or whatever he got worth six and a half, almost six and a half million dollars per year after only winning one cup? He made himself a free agent. He He, he was treated like a damn player. When he was a free agent, okay? So it was part of his whole brand and he added some, again, some stability. He he brought somewhat of a standard to an organization, the center of the hockey universe that, that needed it. So I don't think it was an ultimate failure. I really don't. I don't. Um, but it was, this was going to happen if the team was going to continue to struggle. And, you know, Shanahan said it best. You said it, we talked about it three times. You, you, just don't, you, just, you don't want to wait too long. Don't want to wait too long. Hey, do you hear about the new single? We got Drake in the background, but did you hear about the new hit single that's on uh, Canadian Billboard charts today? A bye, a bye, a bye, bye, Babs, bye, bye. What? Bye, bye, Babs, bye, bye, Babs. Oh, uh, what? Come on, man. <laughs> I was like, for a moment there, I was like, what? NSYNC got back on? Like, was there a fucking TikTok or something? Some Twitter video? Have you heard the song Wu-Tang Forever by Drake? Uh, no, I don't think so. Dude, it's, well, such, a, I don't it's know. such a great song, uh, man. No, it's not, it's not like something on the radio. So here's here's the story about Trevor, okay? So Trevor's the type of guy that if Drake comes out with a song and everyone rides it out, Trevor will ride it 12 months after the fact, okay? It's happened in two different occasions, once with God's plan, and then, like, I, I think a couple weeks ago, this guy was like, yo, man, sickle mode, sick song. So it's like, yeah, you know. Hey, man, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I do think by the time you're you're 96, I think you will, you will have a ton of respect for Drake because it's going to take you that long to go over you know, all of his hits. Because he has that many hits. All right, Drake. He's a Canadian icon, man. Hey, you know what, man? I think 96 is a, is a good prediction. But, you know, the, the guy's a legend. I, I, can't, I can't deny it. He's Maybe a, he, he should coach the, the Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, you know, be an ambassador or something. Uh, no, the Drake... Oh, I guess the Drake curse is dead now that the Raps on the Yo, there, are, there are probably... Would you think that there are higher expectations or more pressure on the Leafs based on what the Raptors did last year? Yeah, for sure. 
I think so. I think it raises the bar for them in the market. Yeah, 100%. But part of me also thinks, did it take a bit of pressure off of them? Mm. Because there's been so much losing oh, in that Toronto market mm. as, as a whole. You know, the, the Raps did something incredible last year, and they, they brought the first NBA championship, not just to Toronto, but to Canada. And I wonder if it took a bit of pressure off of them, but I, I still think in general it, it does put a bit more pressure on the Maple Leafs. But the Fair fact enough. that the Raps are winning and doing good right now, eh, it's, it's a bit of a toss-up for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe these guys need to bring Drake in as an ambassador. Could you imagine just right behind the bench? On the bench? Yeah, hey, you man, know what? Uh, <laughs> Sheldon Keefe would be like his little sidekick Does or something. Does this guy even Jesus. watch hockey? Okay, yo, OVO, if you're listening to this and you hear instrumentals in the back and you're like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, you didn't fucking pay me for these instrumentals. Yo, this is your country, all right? It's your fucking country, okay? It's your city, too, we're talking about. So just leave it. Let it slide. All right, okay. Let it slide. Why not? You've and- heard worse behavior, though, right? I'm on my worst yeah, behavior. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. That's all right. Um, speaking of guys who are on their best behavior, Dan Saraceni uh, okay. just killed this interview, man. Let's let's get away from the negativity. Let's get away from Leafland. And let's talk about the hottest team in the league, 14 fucking 0-1. Are you Damn. kidding me? These Islanders are doing again. I've doubted them. And I've still kind of been doubting them recently, but they keep winning. So we talked to Dan to get the inside scoop on how the Islanders are doing it. And he he gives his take on the Barry Trotz mother himself. Let's go. Dan Saracini here on Silky and Filthy. All right. Joining us now on the Silky and Filthy podcast. He's the host of the Islanders Anxiety Podcast, but I'm not sure how much anxiety he has right now. Returning to the show, Dan Saracini. Dan, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're not doing too bad. You know, it's a, it's a little rough in Canuck Nation right now. It's the other end of the spectrum for you guys. Uh, before we get into what's going on with the Islanders, uh, I'll ask you about another team who's struggling. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs just fired their head coach today, Mike Babcock. A little Lou Lamorello tie in there. But let me ask you first, uh, what, what was your reaction to the Babcock news? Uh, my reaction was... Uh Wow, they actually did it. I didn't think they they would. I figured he would last the season, but uh, I, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if I can really. I I'm not gonna pretend to uh, know the reason that the Leafs are struggling the way a lot of people pretend to know how the Islanders are doing what they're doing. So <laughs> I won't. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it maybe it it helps, but I mean, uh, if it doesn't, um, that's gonna be a huge problem for a lot of people in that organization. So we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But I guess like a lot of us, I'm just kind of hoping that the struggling continues. Basically, is what <laughs> I should say. Yeah, I, that's music to my ears. I you know I thought with with Barry Trotz behind the bench and Babcock being fired, I thought your response was gonna be along the lines of. <laughs> so I made a conscious decision. So after the uh, the events of July first, twenty eighteen, and I won't go into the whole story. Uh, I made a conscious. I stepped away from Twitter for about seven or eight months, and and I finally started to sort of trickle my way back a little bit towards the midway point of last season, uh, and then into this year. And I made a conscious decision at some point to just literally never tweet about the Leafs because. I just I can't take like the flood of people into my mentions, into my replies. And I just it's not worth the hassle. I tweeted about the Raptors when uh, when Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers and immediately regretted it. And I was like, that, that's it. I'm done with this. So I, I the only thing I had on me was a uh, a picture of Mike Babcock standing in front of a, uh, a Bon Jovi banner that's for some reason hanging in the Air Canada Center. And I thought that was kind of funny. But other than that, uh, yeah, I, I my friends, though, uh, 
kind of leaned into it. And uh, I think it was between Islanders fans and Senators fans that were having the most fun this afternoon. So that was a, that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I can imagine so. And, and, and you know, it's I, I don't blame you because Leaf fans are everywhere. We get it here on the West Coast. Like, my, my Leaf friends are some of the most annoying guys I know. It's it's all <laughs> over the place, man. It's it's relentless. It's ruthless. But, uh, yeah, let's let's all just enjoy a little bit more Leaf's misery as time goes on. I also want <laughs> yeah, to— well, uh, Here, I mean, I could barely find an Islanders fan anywhere out here. So it's it's a very—it's odd the way, the way fan bases split up like that, you know? Yeah, fair enough. And, and I do want to get to that a little later. But first, I do want to ask you about the one Leafs tie-in here. Uh, Lou Lamorella was hired in May of 2018. Uh, you know, what, what was the reaction at the time there? And, you, you know, what can you say about the job that he's done in New York since? Um, you know, the reaction I think was was pretty um, guarded in a little way. Um, Garth Snow had run the Islanders for 10 years. And, you know, I, I'll be generous. Some people say Garth was the worst. Some say he, he you know, was better than his record and just, you know, made a lot of mistakes. I, I would say there's a lot of good and bad. But it seemed like, you know, Lamorello might have been just kind of an extension of, of the way Garth had done things. And for a little while, it really did seem that, that way. You know, uh, Lou is kind of thought of as an old school guy but he really isn't and and we've learned that he's a little bit more progressive and and you know I think the biggest thing was the Islanders were run like a very small market organization and in a lot of ways they are but they were always very sort of insular amongst themselves and so you always heard Garth and Jack Capuano and then Doug Waite saying like well we're doing things our way we have a way of doing things and like that's fine but their way was you know, kind of hanging around and maybe making the seventh or eighth seed and maybe getting to like a sixth or seventh game in the first round. And now when Lou comes in and he brings Barry Trotz, he's lucky enough to have Barry Trotz open up and come with him. When they say, well, we're going to do things our way, their way is like winning games <laughs> and they don't stop until they win them. And so they brought with them this sort of very professional culture. And I, I mean, I hate to use the word professional, but that's the way it feels. I mean, people get on loose case because he makes guys get haircuts and shave their beards. But like, that's just sort of a prof the way that the team is run. And, and those little tiny things really do make a difference. And the way this team has turned around from where they were, you know, 18 months ago to where they are now is like night and day. It's crazy to to see the them act and operate like an actual professional hockey team and not this sort of like weird offshoot that's can sometimes be successful but more often isn't. And you know, you can see the fruits of their labor right now. I mean, they've gone uh, they've gotten points in 15 straight games and you know, every time Barry Trotz talks, he just talks about, "Yeah, we could be a little bit better." And you're like, "Wait, what? What did he just say?" So, it's it's a complete turnaround and uh, you know, I think people are a lot more on board with Lou now than they were back then. Maybe, you know, another trade or two might help, but uh, so far, I mean, you can't really argue with the with the results. Oh, you can't argue at all. And you said points in 15 straight games. We're talking about 14 of them being wins. That's yeah. that's remarkable. <laughs> that's a long stretch. And you talked about how, how now it's more of a professional approach with the organization. And I think that's what Lamarolo brought. I mean, say what you want about Garth Snow. I think how the Islanders were looked on the, the outside, well, they were a complete gong show with him in charge. And Lamorello, for some reason, I know he's only been there for, what, a year and a half, has brought some stability. St stability, And the Islanders are good. They're not a fluke. You can't go 14-0-1 and be a fluke, especially after the year they had last year. 
It really is remarkable. And um, if you're a, a subscriber to The Athletic, Arthur Staple and, and Mark Parrish have a great podcast there. And they said it on their episode today that, you know, this isn't like it's not like they've got points in four, in 15 straight games. And it's like a bunch of shootout losses and maybe an overtime loss here or there. or They kind of squeak things out. Yeah, they've won 14 of the last 15 games and they've made it kind of dicey in the last two by coming back from two goals down with less than seven minutes to go to win those games. Uh, you don't want to do that, as Barry Trotz said after the last one. But uh, no, they've they've put together quite a streak. And I'll tell you, they can they can really play with anybody. And I've, I've been saying all year, I, the only two teams in the league that I really think the Islanders have trouble with are the Bruins and the Hurricanes. The Bruins basically play the same exact game the Islanders do, only they do it a lot better. And they have like Hall of Fame talent on it. And they've been doing it a lot longer. Uh, so the, they're a tough out for the Islanders. And then the Hurricanes, at least earlier in the season and then in the playoffs last year, they just have this gear that the Islanders just can't match in terms of speed. And it, and it really causes a lot of matchup problems for them. But uh, other than those two, you know, I mean, I, I feel like they can pretty much beat anybody in the league on any night. And as long as they stick to their game plan, which is the Islander hockey, as Barry Trotz likes to put it. So, uh, yeah, they can do it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I got to tell you, it's. You know, every night it's something new and it's just, you know, I, I don't know what to do with myself after <laughs> after every game because, you know, it's like, oh, they won. You, you prepare yourself for the loss and then they win and you're like, oh, OK, they won. I'll take it and just move on. Well, you got, like I said, you're the, you're the host of the Islanders Anxiety Podcast, Culture of Losing it's off on brand. Twitter. You got to change the yeah. name. <laughs> no, I can't. I cannot change the name. I've well, I think that's, yeah, you actually <laughs> speak for it. You said that you expect the loss, but you're getting wins like you're not even used to it yet. And I guess Islanders yeah. Nation is, is kind of feeling the same way. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I mean, the last two games, so they were down, uh, I guess, th- uh, they were down three, one to the flyers on Saturday, came back, won that four, three in a shootout. And then they were down, uh, f- uh, four, two to the penguins last night, uh, on Tuesday night, came back and won that in overtime and five, four. And, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I was expecting those both to be losses. I mean, I was, they were down two goals with very little time remaining, but they came back and won them. And, uh, you know, I, I keep reminding myself, like, you know, they've got points in 15 straight games, 14 straight games, 13 straight games. It should be you should be OK. But um, it's it's been a lot of fun. And the problem is that this division is just a wood chipper. And it, it, my friend at work who doesn't really follow hockey was like, Hi, I heard they're doing really well. And I said, yeah, they are. He goes, so were they like in first place or something? And I'm like, well, no, because the Washington Capitals have played you know, 10 more games and they've won just as many in a row. And it's extremely annoying because the Islanders would be like way out in first place by a mile if the Caps hadn't put together the same exact streak with, you know, twice as many games played. So uh, that part is a little frustrating. Uh, As far as the culture of losing goals, I can't change it because I want to stay humble. I want to remember what it was like when that's the way it felt like the (laughs) the Islanders were always going to have it. And uh, no matter how good they get, I I have to keep that. Plus, it's a cool it's a cool Twitter handle. So I have to. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. And, you know, a little (laughs) humility and modesty does us all well. I mean, we should tell that to our (laughs) Leaf friends uh, out there across across the North American nation. Uh, they could use that advice as well. I do want to get a bit into how the Islanders are winning games and how they're so successful because I- I've been doing a little five-minute podcast called The Quickie every weekday morning, and I've talked about the Isles a couple times, and I think it was after their seventh win. I was digging into the numbers, and, and even just from watching them, I'm, I'm thinking, how are they winning so many games? Like, they're still giving up chances. They're They're not a great possession team. So yeah. how about you dig into it for me? I know your your lighthouse hockey comrade, Kerry Haber, had a good t- tweet about it. So how about you tell me, how are the Islanders winning games and defying the stats? 
I, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually have Carrie's tweet <laughs> right in front of me. Beautiful. Because it is there we useful. go. Yeah. Um, but but before we get to that, though, um, like I was mentioning before, uh, Barry Trotz and his staff have defined Islanders hockey as a very simple thing. And, and he, it, what I love about one of the things I love about him is he's very open and honest about their game plan. There's no secrets here. It's not like black magic or, you know, rocket science. What he says is it's all about limiting high danger chances and maximizing your high danger chances. So getting those, they don't really care all that much about, you know, zone time or, or shots on goal, as long as they're not high danger chances. And obviously as long as the goalie's stopping them and, uh, trots was on NHL network. And he basically said, I mean, it was almost like daring the rest of the league to be like, you know, you could spend all day in our zone, but you're not really going to get anything. And that's how, you know, the Islanders are playing their game is when the other team is in their zone. They don't mind, having giving up that zone time but as long as they're not getting high danger chances they almost never give up odd man rushes and that's you know one of the couple of things that happened in these penguins and flyers games is that's how you knew they were off because they were giving up odd man rushes and high danger chances like shots in the slot to people like sean couturier and it's like mm, this isn't right this isn't how they they normally play then they kind of tighten things up and over the course of the game will begin to sort of take over and play their game and then the other team is just not getting any chances and not really you know getting anything that that's an open look and the goalie is making mostly easy saves um but so that's the definition of islander hockey but as carrie pointed out on twitter like they're their uh, shot metrics are actually gone up, and right now they're at about 52% uh, for the most part, and that's pretty good. Like, you know, they're not this sort of like 40% Corsi 4 team, but like their, you know, their shot share is is up, you know, in, in a pretty good range uh, that most good teams would be at too. So it's not just like they're going to let you just shoot on their goalie all day long. <laughs> they do want to get shots on net and trots will say, you know, eventually you do have to shoot, but, but it's all about the high danger chances, both for and against. That's what it's all about. And that's why, you know, uh, you, you look at a graph sometimes and it's like, they end up in the, in the bad category or the dull category. Well, that's kind of what they want to be. And and you know, as long as they're playing that way and winning games, that's, that's what trots wants. And, they don't have as much talent as the Washington team did that Trotz won the cup with, but I mean it's the same formula. They just don't have, you know, an Ovechkin and a Backstrom. They have a Barzell and a Ryan Pollock and an Anthony Beauvillier and a Brock Nelson and uh, those. But that's the way they 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 play and they found a very willing group. Like these guys want to play this way and want to win games because that's that's what they want to do. They don't, you know, they went so long without winning that that's that's the key thing and they're willing to sacrifice that as long as they win. Yeah, you can tell that the boys are just bought in. They're bought into the system. They're they're being selfless right now, and they're all about that team success. Uh, talking about players that have been bought in, let's talk about the goaltending because in this 15 game streak, both goaltenders have played pretty much the same amount of games. Is that is that something that can continue to happen, even going into the playoffs? And tell our listeners who's been the better goaltender if you can if you can say so during this historical streak. Um, well, they basically did that last year and, um, you know, Robin Leonard was, a a, um, Vezina trophy finalist and, and he had all these great eye popping numbers and that amazing story of, you know, coming back from, from, uh, his, his drug abuse, his, uh, abuse and, uh, you know, his mental illness, uh, problems. And, uh, he was great and we love him and we miss him to be honest. A, a lot of, most of us wish he was still here and, and playing. And if you follow him on Twitter, you know, maybe he mm -hmm. wishes, maybe he was back on the Island a little bit. He still hasn't left the team totally. Um, but Thomas Grice played nearly the same exact amount of games. I, I think Leonard played 
43 games and Greif played 39 and his numbers were almost as good. They, uh, they really split things and, you know, had, had Grice gotten a little bit more publicity, you could have made the case that he could have been a Vezza finalist, finalist himself. This year, um, it's it's been Grice and uh, Simeon Varlamov, who, who's had his moments. Like, he's been pretty good. Uh, he's let in four goals in each of the last two games he played, both against the Penguins, which I guess is, you know, going to happen when you play the Pittsburgh Penguins. But uh, it's certainly a, a trend that you would like to see turned around. That's That said, Grice has been just lights out. That that game against the Flyers was the first game all season that he really had, you know, had, had a couple of goals and maybe didn't look all that great. But um, th- again, the the style that they play really benefits the goalies. They don't give up a whole lot of high danger chances, and they get to work every day with Mitch Korn and Piero Greco. Mitch Korn is, I think, director of goaltending, and and Piero Greco is the goaltending coach. So they work with Piero every day. They work with Korn occasionally, and uh, they just they help them. They set them up. They change their methods a little bit, and they don't give up a whole lot of high danger chances. And, and they've been pretty successful. Uh, and you know, that's good because Varlamov is here now for four years and, uh, they might be bringing over this, um, uh, guy, this player from the KHL named Ilya Sorokin, who, uh, is, yeah, one of the, one of the better goalies in the KHL and the, the scuttlebutt right now is that he's going to come play in the NHL next year and, uh, we'll see how that works out. But so far it's been pretty good. Can they alternate all year? Sure. But, uh, if, um, Varlamov has another bad game, his next game in the rotation would be Saturday in San Jose. And so if he doesn't play all that well, I could see them maybe growing to Grice back to back, um, at some point. But, uh, I mean, they're just going to keep rotating until they find a reason not to, basically. They kind of did it last year too. And why the hell not? I mean, <laughs> like the goaltending has just been fabulous there. And, and I know what a lot of it has to do with suppressing those high danger chances, which has been great. I also wanted to ask you about the Isles registering high danger chances and because you watch all the Isles games you you know if the analytics match the eye test when I'm on natural stature right now the Islanders are a bottom 10 team in scoring chances for but they are second in the league in high danger Corsi attempts are they a team that's just capitalizing off the rush is is the eye test is the eye test matching that how are they so good at getting those high danger chances they um what they do I don't know if they they do get a lot of chances off the rush um they they're good at getting forcing turnovers um their their bottom six in particular is really good at forcing turnovers but uh, the whole team is really bought into this sort of two hundred foot philosophy that that's like the most cliched thing I think I've ever said in my entire life but it's true like we even, won't judge you <laughs> you can look at um uh any two players in particular that are really sort of you know, uh, this is like their the big thing you could tell is if you watch them last year uh, are Matthew Barzell and Anthony Beauvillier. Both both good players. Both have had obviously good offensive seasons. Beauvillier has had, I guess, 20 goals two years. And Barzell, you know, had that great rookie year. Um, but they've both become much more adept in their own zone and particularly at taking away the puck, not just sort of playing, you know, man to man defense or whatever, but taking the puck away and moving it quickly to the other side. So they do get a lot of chances off the rush, but they're also good at protecting the puck and just working it around the zone until something opens up. And, you know, Josh Bailey in particular has been a guy who's, you know, been Trotz called him his Swiss army knife. He's a guy who's good at sort of finding that little backdoor spot to stand in and getting a shot on goal. And Jordan Eberle actually right now has no goals because he was hurt for <laughs> the Islanders also won that one, like 13 or I think it was, they won 10 games in a row without Jordan Eberle. Like he got hurt in the first game and then missed the entire run and then came back and he still has no goals, but you know, he's still Jordan Eberle. Like he's still good at 
sort of finding this little spot on the ice where he can get a shot off, whereas the rest of the team kind of worked the puck around and and found it to him. Uh, so that that's what they do. They just they do work the the slot. They don't really take shots from everywhere. And and so yeah, I would say the eye test works that way. And again, that's how you know they're playing their game is when they're getting those kinds of shots. Last night against the Penguins, or I just keep saying Tuesday night against the Penguins. At some point, they weren't getting any shots at all, and it was like mm, this is not working correctly. So they 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 will wait for the right shot, which can be irritating, but that's what they do. Like you just have to kind of take it. So they're not gonna, and they do get a lot of shots from the point too, which can also open up, you know, opportunities in the slot from rebounds and things like that. Uh, let's keep it on Brazil, okay? On, on this program, I know you're from the East Coast. We like to. We like to have a show with the West Coast bias, especially on the Pacific Coast. And Matthew Barzell, you know, I work in the same city that Matthew Barzell is actually from. And I have a friend that used to work with me that knew Matthew Barzell. And he's a favorite down in the city. He's a he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. I know his numbers have gone down, but the team's picking up dubs. It seems like he's playing better in his own zone. Uh, what's the contract looking going into next season, buddy? How's They're that looking? Do- what's that? How's that looking? Um, well, they're doing the, well, you know, we're not talking about it throughout the year. We just want to see where it goes, which always irritates me, uh, cause you know, they're talking about it. They just say they're not talking about it. Uh, somebody had them, you know, kind of starting the preliminary thing. I think they're going to wait and see how this, I do think they're going to wait and see how this year pans out. I mean, I don't see it being a problem or anything. Um, they're going to have some, some cap room, I think at the end of the year. So they will be able to give them, I think they're expecting something big. You know, I mean, Nico Hishier, who just signed the, the contract across the river with the Devils, is making a lot of coin. And I would think that Barzell would probably make more than that. Um, it, you know, nobody's really kind of like put a number on it, but I, I'm assuming it would be a double digit scenario. Uh, he's easily the most talented player on the team, Ooh. the most marketable player on the team. Uh, you know, he's got skill out the wazoo and, and as he gets more comfortable in Trotz's system and gets stronger on D and again, he's playing a full 200 foot game this year. He's been awesome. Um, you know, he's going to earn that money more so than a lot of other players. And I think he, he wants to be one of those guys. Like we've heard a lot that he wants to be thought of in the conversation of like a, a Crosby or a Patrick Kane or one of these guys that he grew up idolizing. So, you know, if he wants that dough, if if he wants that kind of stature and he's going to want the dough that goes along with it, he's going to produce. And he's so far, he's he's been doing it. He's got like, I think, 14 points in 17 games or something like that. So he's doing everything out there. And as long as he keeps doing that, they're going to pay him. I mean, he's not don't don't get your offer sheets, uh, you know, out of the holster yet. I don't think you're gonna, <laughs> anybody's oh, yeah. going to need them, uh, but it's going to be a lot of dough. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's got 17 points in 19 games and. You're talking about his defensive game growing, and yeah, that I think that he show contract contract is a good comparable. And if you're saying he's gonna get paid more, all to it, man. He's a BC bud, you know. We want that guy getting paid too. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the owners are shelling out like a billion dollars to build an arena. I don't think paying Barzell ten and a half or whatever a year is gonna really, uh, really bother them all that much. Yeah, never, never mind. He sure. I'm thinking more Jack Eichel. I think Barzell is a ten, ten and a half million dollar player. Damn, that's right now. yeah, BC something like bud, that. Probably. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, shout out to Coquitlam. <laughs> Dan, I want to ask you one more question before we wrap it up here on Silky and Filthy. Always love your takes. The Islanders have been killing it, but I want to ask you, what has surprised you the most about your team this year? I mean, just the, the consistency. Like, it's, it's you know, you, you, I mean, nobody expects their team to win 
<laughs> you know, uh, 14 out of, uh, or, you know, out of their last 15 games. Nobody expects that. But my favorite part of the whole thing was after their, their one loss in overtime to the Penguins at, at Barclays Center, uh, my friend Brian Compton of NHL.com asked about the, the – they had had – usually three goals meant the Islanders won a game. They were something like 48-0-3 or something like that when they had three goals in a game. And he asked him something about, you know, whether or not it was he was afraid it was going to be a trend. And Trotz looked at him and went, it won't be a trend. And that was it. And the next game, they were totally fine. And so he's a guy who doesn't like to let those things linger. If they lose a game, let's say they lose tomorrow night to the Penguins. I completely expect them to not, you know, kind of go into this long funk and, and have a slump for another three weeks or something like that. I totally expect them to just you know, address the problem, fix it and get everybody back on board. And that's not something that the Islanders have ever had in my lifetime. I mean, you know, I, I remember when Al Arbor was the coach in his second go around and those teams frankly weren't that good. And, you know, even he was able to work some miracles, but you couldn't do too much. And so it's, it's the consistency and, and just, we all follow Trotz's lead. He right now, if anything, you know, no offense to Barzell, who is the best player, but right now the face of this franchise is Barry Trotz and whatever he says goes, we just, we completely buy it 100%. No questions asked. And, you know, sometimes the lineup drives you a little bit crazy, but at the end of the day, if they win, you're like, all right, well, what are you going to do? I guess the coach said it, so I'll take it. Um, and it's just that that consistency has just been really, really great. And like I said, the professionalism is just – it's fun to watch. I know that sounds weird, but it's fun to watch your team act like a professional hockey team for a change. For a change. Hey, you know what? I'm surprised with the, surpri- with the surprise question you didn't ask – or you didn't mention Derek Broussard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mean all-star, all-star winger Derek Brassard that was signed as a center? Yeah, that was he was supposed to be their third-line center. Oh, perfect. He's they needed a center. They got one. Well, he's been lights out on the wing, and Barry played him at center for about a period and a half against the Flyers, and it didn't work out. And they put he put him right back on the wing, and who scored the game tying goal was Derek Brassard. So or, or the 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 not the game tying goal, but the game the goal before that it was him on the power play, and it was like, oh, there you go. That makes sense. So yeah, he's. Been been great but not at the position that they signed him to play it's fun though yeah fair enough Derek Brazard in my opinion most surprising player in the league I called it earlier Barry Trotz not just the Jack Adams winner at the moment give him the give him the heart give him the heart dude give him the heart heart. guys unbelievable this is crazy it's 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 I we love this guy I mean I can't even I can't even tell you how much I love this guy so much I, I this it's it's a very strange feeling when like your coach your coach's post practice press availabilities and his post-game press availabilities are like their appointment TV because you just want to see what he's got to say. And more often than not, you agree with him. You're like, yeah, you're right. They they could have been better in that game. Or you're right. That guy did have a heck of a game, you know? So, uh, you know, it's it's just cool to watch. And it seems like the players have all bought in. So why wouldn't we? Hey, why not, man? I know you guys love Trotz there. And Dan, we love you for coming on this program. Yeah, man. we do. Love your insight. <laughs> you killed it. Follow Dan on Twitter at Culture of Losing. That's L-O-U. Losing, right? Am I correct? Uh, no, it's regular losing. Oh, it's regular losing. Uh, oh, yeah. my bad. I'm just thinking. I was just thinking of little Lou pun there. Okay, okay. This, I didn't like, this I didn't predates Lou Lamorello by many, many years. So. <laughs> 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 but this has been great, guys. I had a lot of fun. Anytime you want me back, uh, I'll be here. Awesome. Thanks again, Dan. We appreciate you hopping on Silky and Filthy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to Silky and Filthy. I'm Trevor Beggs. He's Kyle Bowen. And you know what? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, man. You know, shit's hitting the fan in Leafland. I like it. Dan Saracini comes on the show, kills it. I oh, like he it. killed it, man. He killed it, man. And now we're debuting the Freakometer. Ooh, let's run that again. Woo! The Freakometer! Okay. Uh, that's that's the only sound effect I had on deck. I didn't I didn't know oh, we were nice. doing this today, but it's okay, not bad. No, I I get, that sounds like uh, the purge thing, right? Yeah, it does. Oh no! Oh shit! We're gonna die. How would you do in the purge? Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a suck. Great I suck. I suck, man. I, I, I suck. I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a guy with violent tendencies for the most part, so I think I'd probably be sitting in the basement, hotboxing, hoping nothing bad happens. Oh, I'm digging a hole for the whole year. You know, you know, working on it I an the hour purge a day, is 24 hours. No, no, but here's the thing. Oh, you're going to spend I know a year. The, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to spend the whole year, <laughs> at least an hour a day, digging a hole. And I guarantee, you know, through what? At the 100-day mark of the year, you know, it'll be the base will be made, and I'll make it all nice in there so I can spend the 24 hours in this hole with my family, with my loved ones. I'm not fighting nobody. I'm not killing nobody. I, I don't really want to defend any of these fucking lunatics, you know, who want to get their... I don't even know why people want to kill kill anyone, but those movies paint that picture like humans are crazy. I guess humans are crazy. Humans are crazy. The Purge, I watched one in the theaters. It sucked. The movie sucked itself. The concept, interesting. Not going to lie. Yeah. Very I interesting. I completely agree with that take, man. Best. You have a lot of good takes, but that was might have been one of your best takes. What, the movie sucked? But the concept's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, the movie was so bad that, yeah, just the acting was bad. And I think, I don't know what, I think they got away with you know how they made the first one? It was such an interesting concept that, you know, probably did great at the box office. You know, have a low budget, but the concept was sick. Does great at the box office. I feel like they just felt like they could get away with that again. Again, with the low budget. Don't pay, you know, skilled actors. Boom, bam. But didn't work out for me. The Purge. I, I wouldn't say watch it, you know. Watch something else. You know, watch Finding Nemo. Have you watched The Lorax? Have we ever talked about The Lorax on here? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I think I've watched it, yeah. I don't really remember much about it. All right, brief uh, brief little uh, review oh of, of the Lorax. God. Okay, you know, some dude, he captures all the air in the world. Yes, air. And he sells the air. So this guy's just running shit. And there's this one dude who's, you know, I think he's he's on an adventure to find a seed so he can plant a tree. So he can, you know, have air for everyone through science, through life. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting movie. And uh, I think it's uh, an animated movie. And yep. Dr. Seuss, I think. It is Dr. Seuss. Yeah, there 100%. you go. So watch the Lorax. Don't watch the Purge. I love humans. I, you know what? I say fuck the, fur, fuck the Purge. Fuck Lorax. And just listen to Silky and hey, Filthy. Hey, okay. And fair enough. Fair listen enough. to the Freakometer. So the Freakometer, okay. basically, I got five teams. Kyle, you're going to tell me on a scale of one to ten, how worried should these teams be? Okay. I, I picked okay. five teams. They're, they're, they're fucking struggling right now. So I'm going to start off. You were, in, you were in Calgary for the weekend, but let's go Calgary Flames. How worried should Flames fans be? Oh, man. How worried should they be? I would say 6 out of 10. How worried are they feeling now based on this Babcock firing? And, you know, it probably, you know, adds something to their their feelings. 
I would say, I would say seven and a half out of 10. That, you know, Bill Peters has been there for one year. I think, I don't know. It's hard, man. What about the article about uh, Johnny Goudreau and should they trade him on the athletic? Dude, I, I saw, I've seen it in a couple places. I saw a trade proposal by somebody on Sportsnet 650, Randeep, saying that, you know, maybe New Jersey. Overhaul, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Goudreau's one of, one of my favorite players in the league. I, what do you think's happening there? Uh, to me, that's a 10 out of 10 freak out. I don't know, oh, man. Wow. You, you, got, you got to be really, really calm to trade Johnny Goudreau. This guy had 99 points last year. You're right, but the playoff success is is one thing, so I don't know. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Well, didn't um, they give, uh, how do you say that GM's name again? Trevlinging, 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 Trevlinging. Sp- speaking of uh, the Lorax <laughs> and trees and air and living, tree, it's, it's tree living. Tree living, see? There you go. I said my hockey is at uh, 75%. It's getting there. Tree living, they get this guy, what, a three-year extension? That's what I would be stressed out about. Chill the fuck out, man. Yeah, let's got to trade for Milan Lucic. Maybe we Chill should bump. Chill the hell out, we're gonna, yo. We're going to bump Calgary. I said Cal- seven and a half. Give them eight and a half. Yeah, don't be we're, worried, We're going to bump Calgary up to an eight and a half. I don't <laughs> mind when Calgary fans are worried. You know, I'll bump that out to a nine and a half, man. Let's go. Perfect. Okay, next team, Nashville Predators. How? Where do they rank on the Freakometer? Man, oh, man. See, this team, they've built the standard that there's an expectation of them being either in the final four or in the finals. I think that is the expectation for that team. Didn't really get a lot for Subban. I don't know, looking at Subban's numbers this year, you know, maybe they knew something. <laughs> maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, man, if I'm if I'm a Predators fan, I would I would be like 8 out of 10 freaked out. Really? Because... I give it like a 4. Dude, the Predators are going to be fine. You, you're really that worried about the Predators? I don't think they can... Again, looking at where the standard is for them, being in the Final Four... Being in the Stanley Cup final, that should be, you know, the standard. That should be the expectations. Yeah. Are they really getting there? They were talking about the Predators. They made the playoffs so many years now. Do they really give a fuck about making the playoffs, getting to the second round? That Central Division is tough. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be kind of freaked out. I'd be, I'd be worried. Maybe freaked out is the wrong, the wrong, wrong word. I'd be a little bit worried that, you know, your dreams aren't coming true this year. So a, a little bit worried is more like a, more like a 5-6 or a 4 rather than like yeah, an 8 Okay, nine. so if, if I'm, no, okay, if it's worried... If it's the worried meter, eight out of ten. Freak out meter, maybe I'm pushing that back to like you know six and a half. Yeah, and if you're listening to this on Thursday, watch out for the grudge match of two of the worst teams in the NHL tonight: Canucks and Predators. Let's go. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give the Nashville four. I think they're gonna be all right. But I'm moving on to the next one: the Buffalo Sabers. They were killing it to start the season. You know they had that 10 game win streak in 2018-19. They had a, a similar start this year, and now they won two games in their last ten just like the Canucks tied for worse than the NHL. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, how much would you be freaking out right now? See, I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can answer that very truthfully because I don't know how the market, you know, what the market expects. Now, based on how long they've had to wait for a good team and what happened last year with the win streak and them getting so excited and this, the start to this year and all that, you know, I'd be freaked out. I'd actually be pretty freaked out. I'd be stressed out, you know? Is this happening again? When are we going to make the playoffs? Are we always going to be mediocre? I, I'm, I'm seeing 8 out of 10 again, man. Yeah, I think 8 is a solid choice here. Uh, in terms of, you know, Kyle Bowen, like, smoking, like, three doobies in the basement chill to Jack Eichel throwing fists, I'm going Jack Eichel throwing fists freaking out right now. Like, this team, this market, one of the best hockey markets in the league. They've been so sad for so long. This team teases promise every year, and then they go right in the fucking shitter. Ooh. I would, I'd be pissed. You I'd sound, be stressed. I'd like be freaking out if I was a Sabres fan. Hey, man. 
We should go. We should go help our cousins out there. You know, yeah. Vancouver Buffalo. We're cousins forever. You know, we'll get there one day. You know, we'll get there one day. Don't stress out and just enjoy the hockey. I mean, we, I can only speak for Vancouver. I just want them to enjoy the hockey. Yeah, hey man. I guess losing is hard to enjoy, though. Losing is hard to enjoy. And mm-hmm. um, that, speaking of losing, let's talk about it. We've talked about them for most of this show, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, eh? Oh, bro, what are you talking about? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you think they're a little bit relieved because, you know, they got a new coach. They got their wish. They want to Babcock out. I don't know. I feel like this is a, this is weird. You know, they signed Tavares two years ago. Big money deal. Landed the big fish. They've signed pretty much, not two max deals, but they've signed pretty two pretty big deals when it comes to their two young studs. And Matthews and Marner. That's their core, and it's not working out. And you're the first team to really push the panic button in the 2019 season. Aren't you supposed to be an elite team? Yeah, and but you know what? For me, it's it's November, and I think there's there's different levels of freaking out. Like the, the Sabres should, should definitely be worried. The Maple Leafs, I'm not so sure, man. I think they do have the pieces in place. I think they do got a coach who is going to gel with you know the roster that's in place there. To me, I, I'd be shocked if the Leafs missed the playoffs. I wouldn't be freaking out. I'd be, I'm like a five out of 10, you know? I think a lot of Leafs fans are probably celebrating the firing of Babcock right now. I think as much as maybe you and I are surprised at the timing of it as outsiders, I think a lot of people in Toronto were asking for this for a while. So I think it's actually a pretty good day for Leafs fans. I'd, I'd give it like a five out of 10 freak Okay, out. okay, okay. I was just thinking the other way, you know, like, oh, fuck, this is really happening. All this is happening. You fair just enough, talk that's about, a fair point. You know, because how many people were wanting Babcock to go but in reality also wanted Babcock to just fix what was happening this is your big ticket head coach you know I would think that they they would be okay with being wrong and eventually things would pan out again again a team that's loaded with stars ah Leafs Nation I I know that 99% of the league doesn't give a fuck about what y'all do and they're probably happy as fuck right now don't you think Toronto's a better place or the league's a better place when Toronto's good yeah, when they're good. Not not like Stanley Cup good, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, Sportsnet sure loves it, that's for sure. Oh, man. They, yeah, man. Straight up, bro. Straight up. <laughs> the revenues are hurting, man, and the Leafs would help that mm-hmm. out. But, um, nah, f- fuck Rogers, Fuck Sportsnet. Fuck, uh, fuck the Leafs. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, I'm, and, I'm, and with that, I'm moving on to the last team on the Freako meter, the Vancouver Canucks. I if you're a Canucks it, fan, how much are you worrying right now? Oh, you know what I should do here? For, if, if we ran a Drake beat in the back when we're playing uh, Toronto music, let's just uh, bump some... Coltar got bounced in the back. Okay, so oh, um, shout out. if we're Coltar talking about the bounced. Canucks, you know, it's hard to ask me this question. You know, ask me this question when the Canucks have played 19 more games and we're past the 41-game mark. You know, I'm taking it slow with the Canucks, getting back into the flow of watching hockey and bracing Vancouver. I, again, I don't know if it's the green tea. I don't know if it's the weed. I'm just, I'm chilled out right now. The, the Canucks are losing games right now. They suck last night. They've kind of walked themselves back into reality. And for me, reality is, you know, a bubble team. They're not that elite team that they kind of were in October. Everyone was getting ahead of themselves. They were. It was crazy. You you can even say I was getting ahead of myself, you know, saying that, you know, using words like Vezda and Markstrom together, you know? I was, I'm not going to lie. But the Canucks are who they are. If, If you're a Canuck fan like me, and if you're watching the games and you understand where they've been years prior to this year... Again, November has sucked for them. I would be, you know, five out of ten worried. You know, yeah, not, I, yeah. Five out of ten, I think, is a good number right now. And I mentioned it to 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 kick off the episode. Like, there are a lot of good things the Canucks are doing right now. They, again, they are a bubble team. I think that's just the reality of where they exactly. are. Exactly, that's could, just who they are. Could they surprise some people? Sure. Could could they suck? Yeah, they definitely could. Um, 
But there's a lot of t- this things this team is doing that they weren't doing in the past. And they are still bad defensively. Mm-hmm. If they're winning, I think it has to be a run-and-gun game with good goaltending. The defense is still the weakness of the team. As much as you might like old man Edler and banged up Tanev and, and Hughes the stud. And for how much people think Myers has been good defensively. You know, this team still has flaws. And Exactly. You know, the, I don't think they're as good as the 8-3-1 and record in October. And they're not as bad as the 2-5-3 the and three record they've had there this month. There you go. That's the best way so, to put it. I, I, You know what? As, as much as you guys call... You you and Nick called me out for freaking out last night on sipping on a 40. I might have had a little freak out. But then I burned the tape and I got over it. I'm giving this a 5 out of 10 on the freak out. Burned the tape? You legit burned it? Yeah, I burned it. It was actually my Amazon Fire TV stick. I, I chucked it in the fireplace and then I walked out the door and I was good to go. Damn, what the hell is that fire stick? I don't, I don't, I don't keep up to with all the technology these days. You know, uh, it's like this little US, or it's like a little HDMI thing you plug into your TV and you get your Netflix and I got my sports apps and everything on there. It's, oh wow, it's pretty fantastic. That's crazy, man. Look at that, 2019 technology. <laughs> we just hey. plug Amazon, the most powerful company in the world, in our show. Oh man, what are we doing? Oh man, okay. Look on on Twitter right now, Mike Commodore's trending because of obviously his hatred towards <laughs> Babcock. I saw this tweet by Brandon Press too, saying like, "Oh, this is what you get when you don't." Hire oh, him. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. When man. you don't hire a real NHL GM, and you should have got Mark Hunter. Now, did Press play for the London Knights? I, I think he may have. So he he might have had like head. a little bit of relationship with the Hunter. I could be wrong. Why is Brandon Press giving his opinion of what a real NHL GM is? Who's I, taking that for for anything? You know okay. what I'm saying? Okay, come two, on. Two things: a, he did play for the London Knights. B, I think this tweet is written off as a joke because it comes from Brandon Prest. But Matt, I can't wait to find out if Brandon Prest is actually onto something. If the Leafs do end up sucking under Dubis and this whole oh uh, man, fancy stats boy, analytics dri- driven oh, team, yeah, 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 hits the turf. I mean, what's gonna happen to all those blogs? What's gonna happen to all those people who got hired? I don't even know. Uh, it's 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 still gonna work out. I think there's again there's a happy medium with everything, right? It's you think it was a sad day for you know you think it is a sad day for some of those fancy stat lovers because of what's going on in Toronto and Dubis is taking some heat now. I wouldn't say it's, it's a sad day if Dubis is like their god, right? I, I think it's not a sad day right now. They got now. pictures I, of Dubis in their fucking closet, don't they? And they pray to him every night. They ask him like, "Yo, look at this new metric I fucking made up. Does this work?" Yeah, those filthy bastards are fapping, aren't they? <laughs> I, hey, I, I don't think it's a, a sad day at all. Actually, I think it's a bit of a win because Babcock, a guy who wasn't really an analytics-driven coach by the sounds of it, is out the door. Now, if the Leafs suck with Sheldon Keefe in charge and Kyle Dubas running the show, then yeah, it will be a sad day for them. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Fancy Stats has made the game uh, more intuitive. It's made fans more intuitive. They're not going anywhere, but they're just happy Yeah, yeah, true, true. Fancy Stats are, you know, obviously I'm fucking behind the times but they're interesting you know they're interesting hey man they're complicated you know they're gonna yeah speaking of interesting you're an interesting guy too man <laughs> shout out shout out to you shout out to hey. the listeners you listen to silky and filthy go get the fucking network Ooh. sipping on a 40 the Ooh. quickie silky and filthy stay tuned for all kinds of episodes coming your way on the Dude, next we're almost up to network. 90 episodes man should we do a, a 100 episode special I mean, we haven't, like, broke a million plays yet, but, you know, we, I think we should still do a special, you know, <laughs> pop some champagne. Hey, but who else got 100 episodes out, okay? Get the damn network. Make your hockey life a little bit better. God damn, yo. Okay, one last question. Oh I think we should God. put ourselves on record right now. Are the Leafs making the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Are the Leafs going to be dangerous in the playoffs? Dangerous isn't winning a round? Winning two rounds. No. I'm going to say so. I think this is going to... Wow. We've seen it in the past happen to other teams like Pittsburgh, L.A., St. Louis. I do believe it happens with Toronto here. 
Okay. All right. I do. And the fancy stat people are going to love it. And they're going to they're gonna add, you know, new photos to that closet with Dubis and Keith and all the other guys. And it's going to be a good time. I think people are going to not like it because a lot of people hate Toronto. But players need changes. Teams need changes. And this team is too good. Like, well, Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the league, yo. Tavares, Matt, uh, Marner, Barry. I, I think it's going to work out. I think it's going to work out, man. I really do. Thanks for listening, though. Okay, this is Trevor Beggs. This is Kyle Bound. This is Silky and Filthy. Uh, what's the end of this? What do you always say? Well, I got to say shout out to your silky take, first of all. And finally, we will catch you filthy bastards next time.